and I remember standing there and looking in the mirror, just my eyes filling up with tears and thinking, just what am I doing? It's all wrong. I don't want to be in this room. I don't want to be stood in a leotard, pink tights, with these fairground style mirrors. And I was absolutely adamant that that was it. Right there and then I was not going to do ballet. I was going to leave and just see what was. Hello and welcome back to Red Lips and High Kicks with your host Lydia Holt. I am so happy to be back with season three of the podcast. I can't believe it. We are three years old already. This has been the best, most rewarding experience for me. So thank you so much for every follow, every listen or every subscribe. It means the world to me. Thank you so, so much. To start our third season off, we have the wonderful and incredibly wise Elizabeth Harrod. Elizabeth was a ballet dancer with the Royal Ballet and after 13 years plus three children later with husband and fellow dancer Stephen McRae, she has just now hung up her ballet shoes. Elizabeth spent 27 years training and dancing with the Royal Ballet from JA's upper school to company life. She also performed for three years with the Norwegian National Ballet. I could have talked to Elizabeth all day. Her insight and experience is so nourishing and I was able to ask her so many questions about her career and her life with the Royal Ballet. From babies to boarding school, quitting to creating balance, it's a jam-packed episode. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being so honest too. Her rawness really touched me and I could relate to so many parts of her story and I'm sure so many of you will be able to. So thank you so much for sharing, Elizabeth. There is a new segment in this season that I'm so excited about. I asked my guests for their favorite applause and their most important rejection. Everyone has these pivotal moments in their career that really act as landmarks of their story. So I'm so excited to hear about the moments that not only steered them towards their destiny, but the applauses, the joyful, happy memories that they hold dearly to their hearts. There'll be a new episode every Wednesday, so hit subscribe now so you don't miss out. And always follow us on Instagram at redlips.highkicks. Thank you so much for joining me again for season three. It means the world to little old lids. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you enjoy the episode. Have a great day and stay excellent. So hello, Elizabeth. It is so good that you're here with me today. Thank you so much for making some time. Thank you for having me. And you're talking to us from London. What's the weather like in London? I feel like here in Berlin, it is freezing all the time. So yeah, I was about to say it's really cold, but talking to you over there, you know, it's not. I mean, we're a good solid zero degrees um, this week, so it's, it's quite cold. Well, let's get right to it. I'm so excited with this series. I'm going to open up with a segment that I'm going to ask all my guests, and you've had some time to think about it. So I want to know your favourite applause and your most important rejection. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I'll save my favourite applause. Um, in terms of being professional, you know, in the professional ballet world, my absolute biggest and most important rejection was not getting a job with the Royal Ballet when I graduated from school. Um, and that may sound ridiculous, but I'd gone all the way through the Royal Ballet School. I'd gone from JAs into White Lodge, into Upper School. And I'd had really great feedback from our director at the time, Gaylene Stock. Um, and at school this was and of course I was told keep no stay positive stay positive we've had really good feedback from both Birmingham Royal Ballet and from the Royal Ballet I think there's a contract for you and it turns out that didn't happen <laughs> but 
you know what, as the school, as my final school year was going on, I was doing so much work as a student with the company, with the Royal Ballet this was, and I thought to myself, if they were going to offer me a job, it would have happened. And I kept hanging on and hanging on. And then I was invited to go on tour with the company to America. And I actually turned it down, which was a bit of a coup at the time. Everybody thought, what on earth are you doing? If you go, you'll get a job. But bearing in mind, this tour happens at the end of uh, a professional ballet season, which is, works in school years here in the UK. So it would have been over the summer, by which stage, if I still didn't have a job elsewhere, I would have ended up with no job. So I turned them down and I got a phone call from the assistant director, actually, at my parents' house during the Easter holidays, asking to speak to me and why on earth I wouldn't want to go on tour with the Royal Ballet. <laughs> And I flat out said, I cannot devote that time to you if there's no promise of a job at the end of it, which may sound mad. Um, <laughs> as a student without a job, I didn't have a job anywhere. <laughs> and I just thought, no, they have had a chance to do it. If they were going to do it, they would have done it. And I stuck to my guns and I didn't go. And then I auditioned elsewhere. I was really lucky to get a job in Oslo with the Norwegian National Ballet and turned out it was absolutely the very best thing for me. Amazing. Um, I was thinking, oh my goodness. Of course. I will never even have a career before it's even begun. No, and that's why I love this question so much because everyone, there's always, there's more to the story. Everyone always has a, a backstory that people don't ask. And I think absolutely. on paper, it's like, oh, you had it super easy. You were the school, you went to the company. But it's like, no, like there was a period there where you were on, you were in limbo. You didn't know. And it's incredibly wise of you from such a young age to be able to go like, no, you'll miss your charts. I feel like that sort of ownership of yourself and um, being brave enough to kind of know your worth sort of comes later. So you were actually kind of ahead of yourself there to be able to know like, please don't keep using me if you're not going to take me. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, like I say, I think students are so vulnerable when you think at the time you're so mature, you're 18 or 19, you've become a young adult, but actually you, you don't know yourself like you do now, however many, nearly 20 years later, but you still know enough. I think that's the thing. You still have to have that inner trust in yourself. Of course, you have to take advice from um, your, your coaches, your, your school um, directors, whoever it might be, you do take advice, but ultimately it's, it's down to ourselves and we're the only ones that can forge that path. Yeah. And do you know what? It's a funny thing. I remember I really stuck to it and I went for it because all this work experience I was doing with the company was obviously in inverted commas a dream, but it wasn't making me happy, which sounds absolutely mental. I think I felt so intimidated and unsure of myself within that environment that there was something inside me telling me it wasn't the right thing at that time. Yeah. Back to that. So I think you, you do, 
have to trust yourself more than you think really I suppose. Yeah and, and you're right I love what you said that the students are vulnerable and that uncertainty really goes down to the core and it does shake you I remember it you know it was only a few oh, years ago for me, but I remember yeah. it so vividly of just being waiting by my phone because an email could come through that would would assure me the next five years of my career you really are on the state of like bated breath and it's difficult to really trust yourself and trust your gut but it's really amazing exactly. that you had that you think you have no control which I think is also really difficult yeah. of course you know you you're sort of put in this fish tank and people take a look at you and it's a yes or it's a no and it it feels like you're out of control but actually bottom line is we're the only ones in control of ourselves but yeah we can say this now <laughs> in hindsight exactly hindsight <laughs> you know that which is that that mythical wonderful thing but it it's not easy at the time yeah. it's not but anyway I did I did it and it turns out thankfully was a positive move <laughs> yeah no it sounds it and it's uh it's interesting especially being part of such an institution like the Royal Valley School you know I I was a JA as well I went off to Elmhurst but they do you know it's you're there it's your whole world it's your whole life so to have left it um and I'll ask you more about that later but anyway your favorite applause there's no question I mean I'm going to be really really cliche right now but it's it's my children it's really? absolutely my children there's there's just nothing that can actually touch on that mm. I can even think about professional moments but there's no question that they are my absolute crowning glory really and I think probably just to to go on from that probably recently actually I you know I'd taken voluntary redundancy from the mm. Royal Ballet which is another big move but I think finally knowing having that <laughs> inner strength to make the move for what I know is best for myself and the children and my husband as all of us as a family so that sort of extends from that moment and I do I feel very liberated and I feel really proud of myself for making the decision yeah. because I, I'm sure I don't know if we're ever finished with performing or dancing or whatever it might be within the arts. I, I don't think it's something that can end within us, but um, to actually realize it was the right time and make that move has also been a really sort of poignant moment. And I do feel very proud of myself and I don't say that often. Um, in fact, I, put, I don't know if I've ever said that. <laughs> I feel really proud that I could see it was the right moment and know in my heart it will be, and it is the right thing. I mean, everything's a little bit odd right now. And, yes. Um, so. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. And again, like it's, everyone's journey is so different within the dance world. And I'm really excited to talk about motherhood for you. It's something I think I don't want to speak uh, on behalf of all females <laughs> so I think we all most of us do think about it such a lot and in such an unusual career as dancing it's difficult to to see it for yourself to see women who have done it and to work oh. out how it is for you and yeah. I kind of want to talk about the physical side of, of motherhood for you but also the emotional side I yeah. think physically 
it's it's fascinates me. I mean, we are the most like laser focused, you know, a hair out of line. We notice it on ourselves. If we think we've put on a kilogram, you're so sure that you can see it around your hips. Like we are so so anal about our bodies, and we see all these things, and then to suddenly lose control of your body and and be growing a human and not have that ability to to regulate yourself. How how do you manage that? Well, do you know what it was actually. I loved, I loved being pregnant as, I mean, there was also the aspect of feeling so ill. I just couldn't imagine ever feeling better. So that, that aside, once that stage was done with, I, I actually really embraced um, the changes. It was, I and mean, it was a very rapid change. And I'm sure this will go for a lot of athletes, anybody that's physical, dancers, performers, whatever they may be. I think because like you said, we are so finely tuned. Yeah. We're probably in a more sort of, I don't want to say better shape, but we're very aware of our bodies um, than just a lot of, of course, walking down the street. Um, so I think initially the change is so rapid, you know, even by sort of 10, 12 weeks pregnant, I was thinking, who is this person? I was like a barrel. Um, I had changed so quickly and I just, I mean, I couldn't get my head around it. And I did somehow find this mental um, little place to put myself in that did really enjoy it. Mm. And I, I gained a lot of weight. Um, I gained, obviously, to also be really clear, I gained most with my first pregnancy because isn't that the norm? And with the others, you're already running around, so you don't actually get to <laughs> down and eat um so I did gain a lot of weight and it was a massive change but I enjoyed the process and I did somehow by some miracle manage to get back in shape but it was it was hard I can't I'll never pretend to be one of these people that popped out a baby and then poof, it was like magic I I just got this six-pack back and I just didn't have to try that's <laughs> It was really hard. So I, I took three months off at home after having Audrey. So she's our eldest. Um, and I did nothing apart from feed her. And I sat with a biscuit tin and I ate. And again, all these people that say, if you breastfeed, you'll lose weight. That This also wasn't the case for me. I was more hungry than I could ever imagine being. Like this, this little baby, you know, they feed constantly. So I was feeding constantly. <laughs> it's only fair so I and I had the time of my life and I loved it and then slowly but surely I just I sort of dipped my toe in the pool again so to speak and just gradually started retraining and increased it but <clears throat> there was a point where I had to push really really hard and I remember thinking I remember being trying to do some cross trainer work and some crossfit stuff and all this ladder training to get my fast twitch stuff and then get the cardio back and I remember thinking to myself very vividly one day if I don't have a heart attack it will be a miracle you know <laughs> when you have to push through this point um but I did it yeah. I got back fine yeah. 
it's and... so it's it's so funny because I feel like you know we spend such a long time fearing putting weight on in the dance world particularly the ballet world and there's almost every dancer out there has a hang-up or has been you know has felt at points vulnerable and upset oh. with their body everyone has got their kind of own story but it's so yeah. interesting during pregnancy where actually you're kind of allowed to do it and it's celebrated so it must be exactly. kind of a different experience to be like oh I'm changing my body's changing I'm putting on weight but it's great I'm allowed to and it must be the positivity no you're exactly right and be coming from such a positive place obviously you know I wanted a baby yeah I wanted a baby we were really excited so there wasn't anything negative about this this Mm. change um and I think that was the the biggest yeah mental difference in rather than just having Christmas and you know you got to put on a leotard two weeks later and you probably don't feel the best it was a very different situation so I did totally love it but physically so returning to stage was obviously hard thankfully the job itself was is so demanding that once I was back at work maintaining myself physically was the easiest it's ever been I think that actually boils down to the fact that I think I was just spread so thinly between (laughs) work and life and then babies at home and never stopping um had its positivities in there my body you know I I felt fitter and in great shape than I'd felt probably even before having children which is mad it's um it's this bizarre thing I think you almost go there's something Oh gosh, and I'm not all mother earthy about these things normally, but I think the whole birthing experience pushes you to this sort of higher place, you know, and I hate all these terms and phrases, but it does. It puts you in this place that you've never been to, a strength that you've never found. And then sort of getting back from that, regaining your strength wasn't, I wasn't regaining what from where I'd been before having children. I was sort of building on this new level that I discovered. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know it does. And it's, that sounds very enriching and wholesome and nurturing. And I think from someone who, you know, I'm far away from having children, but it's just, I do find the whole prospect quite daunting and baffling, which is why I've got so many questions. Because I think, you know, ballet is such a hard career. You give your everything physically and mentally. So the prospect of like, you know, small child taking that away from me. I'm right, obviously right now, I'm not interested, but it's, it's very um, encouraging, let's say, or, uh, you know, comforting to hear that actually there is a, an inner strength that can kind of guide you through that phase. No question. Um, it's funny because, I mean, obviously I've chosen to retire from actual dancing at this moment in time, but that's not, it's nothing to do with um, that physical aspect of, having a baby, returning to work. That's one point of it. And that, that side of things is absolutely possible. For me, it's obviously the bigger picture right now, which is three children. They're so brilliant. The demands of three children, um, mentally, emotionally for them. And then the constant juggle in terms of home and work and the working hours. So obviously the physicality is one side of things. Um, but it's an it's an overall yeah package which is mm. it was a big one it's a lot yeah. to change and 
Did you feel that you changed as a dancer after having children? Did you come back to work? Was your priorities different? Was your energy different? Did you see things differently after having children? Yes and no. It's funny. You know, I did, I don't know if I was naive in this. I'd heard people talk about themselves being so much more relaxed on stage and because their priorities had shifted. And I, I remember thinking to myself, oh gosh, I wonder if this will happen to me. Like, I'm so excited to be, to not be worried about this or go on stage with that thought of it. I'm not really bothered about this show because actually it doesn't matter because I've got something more important at home. Um, I was excited to try and discover that sort of mental capacity. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen to me quite that way. And I felt, I definitely developed more anxiety on stage, which wasn't, ideal and it was an odd thing I think in my head I sort of psyched myself up into the headspace of if I'm not being at home with my babies then whatever I'm doing has to be really good mm. so I put this extra pressure on myself it sort of upped the ante on everything having the children definitely yeah upped the ante on my purpose of being at work and I remember thinking I can't do a bad show, I cannot fail, I can't do this because otherwise I'm away from my children for no reason. So this sounds really ridiculous when I'm saying it out loud, but unfortunately in terms of performing, it definitely had some more anxiety. Mm. Uh, physically, it's a bizarre thing. I think there were times, like I've actually just said, I, I actually felt stronger in a way. I felt I was stronger, but um, long term, over the course of six years of have, being pregnant and being at work and being pregnant, being at work, etc. I think the toll of that constant sort of flipping yeah. backwards and forwards and the relentlessness of our schedule was physically taking a toll on me, sort of on the whole of me, I was feeling the, the weight of the world on me sort of mentally and physically. And I realized I was probably reaching my limit in terms of my general health and well-being as to how long I could just continue it and continue to be at that level of this super strength that I did feel I had, but it just didn't feel sustainable, which long term. I mean, yeah. I gave it a crack and I returned. I'm so glad I returned. But I, I don't think I had any, I didn't have any more. Yeah, because no, I think there's women with children yeah. in my company and I love seeing them in class because it just sort of reminds me of, of the different purposes work has and the different, what yeah. everyone's world looks like is so, so different. And they're literally running home to be with their babies. And it's, I, I love that. And I, I think it's really interesting. But actually what I haven't thought about before is exactly what you've said which is if I'm going to be here it's got to be worth it and I've got to be killing it yeah. it's got to be more than staying at home and actually that's such a, a heavy pressure for for you to work with on top of being able to do a solo being able to stay in line and all the other pressure oh, we put on exactly it's, it's from ourselves so I, I, I could never say that that was an outside pressure mm. and sometimes I feel foolish for getting into that headspace but we are who we are and I think being aware of those things is probably the most important thing um, and knowing knowing how to deal with them and knowing when enough is enough of a certain situation um, and I did 
I did return to work because I bottom line was I, I wasn't finished dancing and yeah. performing and I'm so glad I did I'll never regret even those early days with um Audrey and Frederick my first and second babies I'll never regret that I did that and I went back I'm so happy um and then third time round, of course things did turn out differently but who knows what exactly would have come to fruition had we not been in a world pandemic yeah exactly no Um, and one of my I think there's a post you have put on Instagram before and it's of of Audrey and Frederick and and you're dressed in a tutu and it's it's one of those images I I've looked at and gone oh god I want that I want that one day (laughs) and it's it is it's so encouraging to see a woman do both and I think I am a raging feminist and I, I love that in the dance world and it's and I actually sometimes think we're quite lucky it's similar to athletes that our career starts so young and our physical peak yeah. is actually very young so we sort of actually can have both we can have the career and then move on to babies as in people in the corporate world or you know in the normal muggle jobs they unfortunately yeah. won't reach their peak until they're before they retire in their 50s and 60s so yeah. taking a big chunk out is is much harder for them so it is you know, it's the physicality, the sort of the, how much we give to the job and, and, you know, it does, it does cross over in your twenties and thirties and stuff, but it is still, it's lovely to be reminded that you can do both. And like you've just said, you weren't finished with dancing and that you do that no. primarily for yourself. Um, oh, I agree with everything you've just said. And the fact is, you know, we're so lucky in this day and age, we have this amazing sort of um, world around us that says we we can have it all and whilst a massive part of me believes that because it is possible I had it all and currently I mean having it all is whatever that is to to you isn't it you know exactly right now but I still feel like I have it all so we can argue that one another time but with that also comes this sort of I think you can spin it clearly you can see what my head does I like to sort of argue every corner my within my own head which is this then this slight pressure of um because we can have it all should we have it all because it's available to us and then therefore I think some people do feel pressurized to return to work or feel pressurized to not be a stay-at-home mom or what have you it's a strange thing in this day and age it's whilst it gives us the freedom it obviously opens this whole other can of worms which is gosh I I can still physically perform so should I be doing it for as long as I possibly can because it's not a job that as you know you know when it's over it's over you can't have a 20-year gap and yeah go back to performing at the level we would be now I think that's the difference obviously there's the stage is open to anybody of any age but you like you said I mean physically of course in 20 years time I would not be doing what I would be doing now. <laughs> yeah. so it's definitely a whole there's a massive um sort of mental <laughs> vacuum that you can fall into but it the thing is if you want to do something you'll make it happen and you just need a few practical things in place in order to do that you need um support obviously more than anything from a partner from family that helps but you need childcare <laughs> that's the bottom line yeah. you need childcare yeah. that you're happy with and some determination and you can 
it is absolutely possible. Um, so I would yeah. I'd be really positive about encouraging people to do it if it's something they would want to do, knowing that to think that it's an opportunity I wouldn't have taken because of ballet would, and now I've stopped dancing, would absolutely break my heart to think that somebody didn't do it. Yes, yeah. Ballet, that, mm. oh God, I can't even bear the thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's interesting, you've sort of touched upon it there, but it is that work-life balance. And I think that changes a lot in the dance world. I think, to be honest, when you're young and single, work is your life and um, you know it's it's okay for it to be most of us leave home we live in cities where your closest friends are the people you work with and, and you are so involved in the company life but as you get a bit older that sort of you know becomes further away and what have you learned and how do you manage your work-life balance well i think that's actually it's really funny what you say you know as you get older i think also your work relationships change mm. um companies your colleagues change so it's you because you do start so young I think it's a natural I think it's most people are pretty sociable and you spend all day every day in the studio with massive groups of people but I think as time goes on you you really forge much closer intimate relationships with less people um and also then circumstantially, depending on what type of work you're doing, maybe you're not in so many group rehearsals. So you're, the people that you spend your time within the studio become less. So then you really sort of begin to siphon out your really close friends at work rather than that whole being friendly and needing to be friends with everybody. Yeah. I think that's very important. You realise at some stage you, you don't need to be friends with everybody. That's also impossible. Um, so there, then you begin, you mentally, I think you start to create this space for other aspects of your life in terms of relationships and moving on and then what, what you would like to achieve from your relationships. Um, so this was definitely a natural aspect, I think, of growing up. I think in terms of having got that sort of social scene out of my system, I didn't feel like I needed to go for drinks after every show or um hang out here or hang out there i that need or even desire to do that had pretty much ended yeah. i would see my close friends and love spending time with them but i didn't feel a need for any more so i think i was already transitioning into this sort of quieter <laughs> phase of life even before we had children um but ultimately the work-life balance is i can't be really positive about this because I've always I really struggled with it mainly due to the aspect of spending so many hours within my workplace it was yeah. uh, like a physical restraint it wasn't it's not always even trying to cut off and compartmentalize my work and my life mm. um, the fact is if you spend so long in a certain place the scales for me personally just were not balanced anymore. Yeah. Another reason why I decided to step away. Um, but like you say, when you, you are of a certain age or if you decide not to sort of take your life in a different direction you, and you can give everything to work, then that's your absolute prerogative and do it. And some people are fine with that. 
but I've always, I've always really appreciated my own time. And I, I've had like one rule, which is, makes me sound really weird, which is that I never <laughs> sewed point shoes at home. Never sewed point shoes at home. I would only ever sew them at work. That's so, so interesting. Because I just thought I can't bear to have any more work taking over my life. You know, when you're yeah. there and you six show week or something or seven shows and you come home at midnight every single night apart from one and then to then be sat sewing my shoes at home as well I was like no so no. I always had like little notions like that the no, that's, is, it gets you through and like that does make a lot of sense and I guess yeah. for you it's it doesn't make it harder but being you know with a partner who is a part of the Royal Ballet it's again yeah. the scales is even further tipped because you, you can't pretend to not, if you're talking at the end of the day about your workplace, exactly. you can't pretend to not be a part of the same workplace. <laughs> no, exactly. Actually, oddly, that's something we've always been pretty um, good at. And I don't know if it's a conscious thing or not. Um, or the fact, I suppose, actually, we have so much else to talk about. Um, Stephen and I rarely talk about work mm. at home, which is, like I say, not being a conscious decision. Yeah. Um, but probably more due to the fact that obviously both working such long hours, we wouldn't, course, despite working in the same place, wouldn't actually see each other at work. Yeah. Uh, we you know, pass like ships in the night. So then when we were together, we didn't ever really talk about ballet. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to a point, you know, probably yeah. talk about yeah. it more now than we ever did when I was dancing as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> no it's so interesting and I think uh, it's lovely to to kind of hear that point of view and understand your perspective from it and to go back right to the beginning you know we talked about the Royal Ballet School um, already in, and the, the way that you did go whole, the whole way through it yeah. if you were to just think of it now you know what do you remember most about those years uh, you know school years can be difficult and challenging and yeah were there memories of you finding it hard or almost quitting you know what were your takeaways from those oh, years? there were definitely memories of oh yeah I think um I think they, my memories are of it being harder rather you know rather than anything else my joy this sounds very negative when I say it out loud. My main joy came from my friends. Eventually, I was incredibly homesick when I went to White Lodge. So obviously, White Lodge starts at 11 years old. And I was desperately homesick. And I found this, like, I mean, it's traumatizing. And it's an odd thing because I realized that I think some of my adult behavior now, you know, you start to learn things and realize things as an adult. And now as an adult with children, I think I'm obviously who I am now because of each aspect of my life and things that we've been through. Um, but I was desperately homesick and I had a really mixed bag in terms of teachers. My first three years, to be quite frank, were hell. And I had two teachers. I had the same teacher in my first year and my third year, and then I had a different teacher in my second year. And I just didn't gel with them. I didn't get on with them. And there was never anything but a negative comment. And I, when I say negative, I mean, I don't know how I didn't leave the school. Um, not sure how I wasn't assessed out, given everything that they, was, they said about me. And I would sob and sob and sob on the phone to my parents. And they would, of course, say, we'll drive down right now. And we'll get you. doesn't matter if it's the middle of the night. And I had this 
ridiculous like steely determination and I said no I can't give up I want to keep going so I just kept going and I'm so glad I did because then other teachers filtered in and affected me in a really positive way and I think that's this is one of the hardest things about training in anything really I suppose well especially the arts because it's totally subjective so one teacher thinks you're the worst thing they've ever seen and the other thinks you're the best thing since sliced bread so or somewhere in between um so to not be affected by them is well i think you'd have to be like totally inhuman yeah no, to not really. on that but to somehow know that if you want to do it the bottom line is you have to keep going on some level um so i didn't have to stay at the school obviously but deep down i knew it was the best place for me in terms of my family uh, you know i had siblings and an older sister younger brother my parents they were up in yorkshire so in terms of getting the best training we would also be able to afford which was the royal ballet school because obviously it's subsidized otherwise i wouldn't have been there um so i stuck it out and then uh they <laughs> There were great moments, of course there were great moments, or I wouldn't have yes, been able to yeah. play. But actually it was in my, in my second year at upper school, um, I remember just hitting a wall. I'd actually, it was about, I think it was January time. So I was about to be, I was 17, I was about to turn 18. And before Christmas, I'd done like a six, seven week stint with Birmingham Royal Ballet doing their Nutcracker. And I'd had the absolute time of my life. I absolutely loved it. I thought, this is it. This is what company life feels like. I felt relaxed. I loved being on stage. And then had a Christmas holiday at home with my parents, which was obviously great. Went back to school. It was grey. It was awful. And I was stood in the studio every day and I just looked around and thought, what am I doing? And I hated it. And I said to... Um, I said to the director and assistant director that I wanted to leave and that was it. And they said, oh, just, we'll go home for a few weeks, just take some time, see how you feel. So I did and I went home for a few weeks and I just didn't do anything. I lived a totally normal life, <laughs> just potted around at home with, with my parents and relaxed, I suppose. And I did have time to think and obviously, a few weeks later, I thought, don't be silly. Of course, you love ballet. You want to do it. But I think it's really difficult um, to sort of process those thoughts when you're so young. And yeah. ultimately, I can say really openly, I've never had a completely love, love relationship with ballet. Mm. It's definitely been a love-hate one. And thank you, thank you so much for being that honest because we need to hear more of that. Honestly, I think you are, it is like you said, it's a very difficult life and particularly at school and the training is, is rigorous and you're young and you're away from home and you yeah. are just very susceptible and influenced. It's very difficult to, to trust your feelings. And it's, it's so encouraging to hear someone say that, but have also gone on and had a stellar, stellar, you know, <laughs> remarkable career. And we definitely need to be reminded that it, you can find it difficult you can not gel you can really be questioning those things but if you want it 
it will be worth it. So thank you so much for being that really? audience. Yeah. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, it does you talk, it makes a lot of sense. And I think when you're at school, you're working for a career of performing and yet you're not performing at school. You're not doing the good bit. And like an experience like going to Birmingham Ballet, it sort of stretches your yeah. mind and you get the taste yeah. of what the life will be. And then to go back to the studio, you're not doing the good bit, you're just training. And I think especially those like last years before you left and leave school, I was crawling yeah. my way out of school. I thought, you know, I've spent all this time training. Let me do the good bit. Like, let me do the fun bit. And it can be so hard. No, you've just hit the nail on the head. That was exactly it. I just, I literally stood in the studio and you know, sometimes you get this very strong, overwhelming sense of yourself in your surroundings and I remember standing there and looking in the mirror just my eyes filling up with tears and thinking just what am I doing it's all wrong I don't want to be in this room I don't want to be stood in a leotard pink tights with these fairground style mirrors that were all you're either huge or either weenie you've got a bar cutting off your middle I remember being cross with everything I thought well, that's useless. We're meant to be feeling positive about ourselves. So all of a sudden, I was really just sort of taking in all these things, these negative things around me. And I was absolutely adamant that that was it right there. And then I was not going to do ballet. I was going to leave and just see what, well, start yeah. again. I, I had no idea what I was <laughs> But sure enough, sometimes actually just a break is what you need. In yeah. Time. Is okay, and in fact, I think the break is more healthy than not having one. Which is, I mean, I see things I see more now than I've ever seen because of things like Instagram. And you know, you see kids, and they are they're young, and they seem to never stop. And ballet is their world to the point that I wonder if they even have one day that is not completely consumed by it, and. If I think if that works for you, then that is fine. But I think if you're somebody that needs to have their own time, needs to embrace whether it be family or friends or just doing, not thinking about ballet, doing something, to, anything totally different, then that actually that's a, just as useful yeah. as every single second attached to your home bar, still practicing. And I, and I think physically to be honest I think a lot of people would be better for it to be quite frank I think competition is high so people dare stop literally dare not stop but I think I think the rest is as good as yeah and I think that's been such a big takeaway of of you know the coronavirus crisis is there has no one's had a choice and I I had a period in my life after I at 19 when I stopped um dancing and I was working in a pub and I was being normal and that period of my life like you said it was a moment where I actually got to be normal and I also then appreciated how much I love dance and it was yeah. essential for me because it's how I got back and I think that experience I sort of feel because some of my peers and other people I know are, have been having in the last year because we have no choice and you really have to kind of look yeah. at who you are where your identity lies outside of being on stage and I think it's really really important and it gives your brain other time to actually process other things and make steps forward that you would literally not have the physical the emotional strength to do otherwise and I, I completely agree it is rest is so essential for our minds oh I mean to be honest when you say it like that I think rest is almost 
more important mm. <laughs> than never yeah. taking yeah. I mean there's no I mean in my head now at this stage I see that as black and white and without the rest not of course there's always the exception different things work for different people yes but yeah out the rest mentally and physically just spiral and spiral and spiral and you can't find yourself you can't find your happiest self and ultimately then on the physical side of things you possibly burn out yeah um, which i think is unfortunately how a lot of people kind of they start their pro professional careers they literally start their careers about to fizzle out because yeah. school and the pressures that come with that the pressure to be this perfect student and succeed and obviously gain a job is so immense that actually then you get into a company so often the youngest apparently fittest dancers are injured they spend their first years sat on the sidelines probably feeling depressed because they went so all out at school that they're absolutely knackered by the time they actually get one thing they want. And it's just not, it's not a realistic situation, but it, it's a very hard thing to say. Actually, I think what would be best for me would be to um, have a couple of weeks or even take a five week summer break. I've actually, I very, very rarely worked. I think over like a summer period, I think I've probably in 13, 16 years, 16, 17 years of being professional, I think I worked once over my summer break and that was it. And the rest of the time, I always took a holiday, always. No, I think you're right. And I, it's, it's small things like being bored at home for six weeks in the back of my mind, I was thinking, you're going to be doing eight shows a week, Lydia. You will be kicking yourself if you're doing at home Pilates and, and hit workouts. Like just let yourself have a beat, like just do it because you'll really miss this time. And I think yeah. you definitely, as a professional, you have to make the time yourself and learn where your boundaries are and where your limits are because uh, exactly. it's, if you want to be sustainable, you want to be, have a long career. Totally. <laughs> and talking of which, my final kind of question is yeah. what is next for you? Obviously, you know, you have had an amazing career. You have a diploma in nutrition. You have three children. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how much time there is in between. Um, but Well, do you know what? Truthfully, right now, and I think this is something I'm actually finding quite difficult saying out loud because I think because I've been locked up at home, I haven't even had to really have this conversation with anybody I actually have no career plans as of this very moment which is a really strange place to find myself in I I like a plan mm. usually I like to know there's a direction but I actually I got to the stage with work and being at the Royal Opera House and combining obviously with children that to be honest I I felt so consumed by everything I was trying to do, which is obviously why I've removed one mm. massive aspect. And that right now, you know, when you can't see the wood for the trees, I feel like the world is absolutely my oyster. I've got so many things I would love to do. But in terms of that actual one thing that I would like to devote myself to, maybe it's because there isn't a great deal of, me time to redevote yes. <laughs> something. If I choose that time now, I really have to use it for the absolute my a, a passion. And I think that's 
it's a slight quandary we find ourselves in this situation because obviously I went into ballet despite it being love-hate because it was a passion and I feel so privileged to have had a career that was a passion so I think to find myself now wondering what I could do I find I find it quite a difficult decision to make really because there's loads of things I could do but I want like I say I want to choose that one thing that is a passion that I really really want to do and I have ideas but I haven't I'm not set on anything yet mm. and the fact is if it takes studying to achieve that or if I need to do a degree or something I feel like I, I can't waste my time I don't really want to choose the something I'm half-hearted about mm. so to speak. I know that sounds obvious um and of course there are loads of things that I could naturally flow into having been a dancer I think there's all sorts of physical um things we can do whether it be teaching or coaching and mm. I love I'd love to coach I don't see myself as a teacher on a daily basis yeah. coaching coaching one-on-one um, -on -one and nurturing for certain occasions and what have you certain performances I think is very different to being in a studio all day every day um but no so there we go the very short answer is i actually haven't got a plan right TBC, now yeah tvc but it's but what um, I mean, yeah. yeah it's lovely I to hear to so much and that there and it's it's so heartening to like you said that there is so much you can do and it's really important to remember that and actually what's so what like what we're so privileged about is we've had our passion we've actually been able to do the really fun thing yeah. a lot of people you know, would tell you they've been working behind the desk for so long or whatever. They, oh, I would have done that if I could. I would have done that if I could. But yeah. okay, you've sort of ticked that box. We've done, we fulfilled our dreams. And now it's sort of like, well, what am I good at? And actually, I think it's... it's well, that's it's, the thing. And but we are still so young in terms of the real world. So I don't want... I sort of, I suppose I would get a bit worried that I sort of, I miss an opportunity, mm. that I drifted into something as a result of my career and it wasn't the thing I really want to do because I'm so young I can have a yeah. whole another career but um for the time being I'm definitely going to spend that time with my with my babies yeah. because yeah. in two and a half years nearly three years our youngest will be at school and that that baby time has gone and I can't believe it so yeah. um I'm definitely not missing this for now. So. No, lovely. And I'm, it's been so lovely to talk to you and I'm so Thank grateful you. for your insight and God, what a, what a span of, of wisdom you had. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Well, I'm not sure if it's wisdom or sort of just an emotional minefield of um, whatever. I don't know. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs>